What up, y'all? Welcome to Queer Walk, the podcast. The can we say we uh bi-weekly anymore? But the insurgent bi-weekly audio syllabus. Um, I am money, your friendly reminder that essential workers need hazard pay. Thank you for uh that important remind reminder, Dr. Money. <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> it's so funny that you said that because uh, I am Nikita, and I guess capitalism has deemed me an essential worker. So, <laughs> you know, you've always been essential in my heart. Okay. That's thank you. That's very sweet. Um, let's. I'm so glad to have you back. Okay, let's drop the intro. Your chocolate demeanor and your cocoa kisses. I see your flow from a distance. Your vibe incite my submission. I give you all of me. Wanna make you proud of me. We see the God in all you do. Your light is harmony. Every type of darkest night, brightest light. I'm loving your soul. They hate you, replace you, take you, but know that you go. Worldwide from every continent. I just want you jig a little bit. Move them hips, feel that bliss. Hug your sister, make a fist. Don't resist your temptation. You amazing, no limitation. My favorite in this matrix. We move by your vibration and that's love. I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby you love. I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby you love. I hope you hear that on the daily, cause baby you love. You love. Hey. Alright, Nikita. Um, you wanna just jump in to telling folks where they can find yes. us? Yes. Uh, I haven't told people where they can find us in a very long time. So in case you have forgotten, no fear. You can find us on Instagram and on Twitter, where the handle is the same on both, which is at QueerWalkPod, P-O-D. You can also find us on the Book of Faces, also known as Facebook, facebook.com slash QueerWalkPod. And of course, you can find us where it all began, which is on Tumblr. Does anybody go there now that they don't have porn? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Uh, I think people are everywhere these days. Actually, you know what? Yeah, living in the midst of, sure. Yeah. So anyway, you can find us on TumblrQueerWalk.com. And where can they listen? I am so glad that you asked. They can listen to us on Pocket Cast, CastBox, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and with other, and any other sort of major exploitative place where they listen, uh, where they stream podcasts. Except... <laughs> Except spot a lie, spot a lie, which is French for the devil. <laughs> Spotify is like, get those bitches off the air. Stat. <laughs> they about to buy SoundCloud just to shut us down. Get those, get uh, those queer black ducks off the fucking. Airway. Get those negresses off those, the mic. And those gay negresses. Carpet munching negresses. <laughs> get them off the air. <laughs> we will squish you. Exactly. That's not that would be a great movie. Somebody make that happen. It'll be like the queer Spotify to... black version of Sorry to Bother You. Sorry to Bother You. That's just what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right, so there is a, a few ways that you can contribute. Why are you saying that? Nobody has even asked you about con- contributions. You just, you do these episodes by yourself and you just 
steamroll ahead. You do whatever I you just want. I be in my. Oh gosh, continue. What you what you want to ask me? You know what? I don't want to ask you a damn thing if you're gonna keep up that attitude. <laughs> anyway. Oh gosh. Before money jumped the gun, Doctor Money and I are the hosts of this here program, right? But we could not do it without the community. And you, illustrious community, you can contribute to this il- to this insurgent, illustrious, illuminating uh, podcast and community by two ways. Leave the alliteration to me. Ooh, you, you, see, let me tell you something. These bitches out here get their PhDs and then they think they got a monopoly on... <laughs> A, a literary device that has been <laughs> around words. for God knows how long. It's actually assonance because it's a vowel. You know what? I don't but... care. Tell people. <laughs> let me t- You know what? This bitch gets distinction. Completes a PhD. And now, and now she know everything. She know all the things. Are you done? You need to regale us with something else? You want to give us the history of currency? You know, since you are, actually, since we talk about contribution? I actually am done. The history of trade. I actually am done. I'm finished with a PhD. <laughs> okay. Okay. Please, can, you, can you please tell people how they can contribute to the queer walk community? And contribute to the sure. community and not your ego? <laughs> sure. So you all can contribute one of two major ways. Um, the first way is by loving us out loud. Um, I feel like this is the uh, most helpful way right now with so much traffic online. You can share the episodes, uh, rate us, review us. We haven't had a review in a while. So if you would like to be the first review of April, come on through. You can request a topic. You can retweet us when we're on the Twitter streets. And you can use the hashtag QueerWOC to talk all things the podcast or to, like, request a Queer Walk of the Week to put us on to something that you think we should know. You can send us an email of a topic or a curve chronicle to QueerWalkPod at gmail.com. Or we have to end up talking about, what did you say, assonance? Oh, my gosh. Anyway, the second way that you can contribute right now, which is a way that we do not undervalue right now because we know funds are limited for folks. Or maybe people are working from home and like work life has just changed. Oh, you're still coasting on that refund check. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you can contribute your coin. Uh, you could do that one of two ways. You can hit the cash app for a single time non-committal donation at dollar sign queer walk pod POD. Or you can become a sustainer of this here program by signing up to become a patron and uh, becoming a patron is just a small monthly donation to us to ensure that we're able to keep this going um, now that we have to have double the recording equipment because of social distancing. <laughs> So oh, that was a good plug there. <laughs> you, it's accurate. Nice. So <laughs> you can do that at <laughs> patreon.com slash queer walk pod pod. Wow. That sorry, that really that just tickled me. <laughs> I mean it's true. It, it very much is true. It's like we've been scrambling. This is I have you know, 
I love you, friend. And this this really hurts that like we can't see each other. She says that now, and she'll be calling also, me everything but a child of God in under two seconds. But I love her too. Well, I'll still do that. But yeah, it's just I don't know. I'm realizing how much of an extrovert I actually am, and how much life I live by being with and among yeah, people. Yeah, absolutely. You know so. this about yourself, though. Yeah. But it just yeah. feels palpable and visceral right now. Yeah. yeah. Like, before this, my max was, like, three days. Like, three days without other people, and I started to feel, yeah. you know, <laughs> a little loopy. I'm I'm almost a, I'm almost a month in at this yeah. point, and it's... And meanwhile, Riri is hard. like, trust me, I know it's been a month. She ain't never been here this much. <laughs> <laughs> That's who's truly um, struggling. Riri, Riri. Uh, for those who don't know, Riri, who is Montanique's extremely adorable cat, um, <laughs> she's just been so stressed out. So stressed by she this. She has. I've been worried about her, actually. Because you have another cat yeah. whose name tells it all, Riot. He's younger than her. And he's just he just yeah. runs him up. And he'd be working Riri's nerves. And Riri just don't be seeing money this much. I, I just feel like Riri is like, yeah. who is going to communicate what is going on to me? She yeah. just seems I so wish, I wish I could explain it to her. She does. She just like stands in the middle of the floor. <laughs> like hyper aroused. Just like looking around like, what the fuck is happening? <laughs> Like, it's a Tuesday. She's like, you not even <laughs> supposed to be here. Not on. Not only are you not supposed to be here this early, but bitch, you been here all month. Yeah, she just, you know, she just become. She has become the biggest Deborah Cox fan. How yeah. did she's you like nobody? No, no bee <laughs> is supposed to be here, humans or other cats. But I love Riri because I think Riri is like me. She's very much an extra, uh, an introvert. She is, yeah. Um, yeah. And so I think, yeah, I think Riri is just like, you know, she really enjoys that time by herself. And she didn't get the memo. Yeah. Nobody sent her any kind of feline email about any of this. So that poor little cat is just stressed. Yeah. My poor baby. Y'all send send one up for Riri. <laughs> Please. she's really going through it She right really now. is. Because she's like, how long is <laughs> And she last? misses Nikita. She misses you too, cause you're her person. Like when she comes running to you, she doesn't even do that yeah. to me. And when you're on I've the phone, with me, don't she like stop and try yeah. to get close? Yeah, I love you, Riri. She really does. <laughs> All right. All right. So we're gonna move it on along to the queer walk, queer walk, queer walk. It's hard to do it in a social distance manner. <laughs> You always jack that it up. That was you. You can, see, you can see my face. You know the cadence that we do it. Are you, Are you ready? Re- Stop talking to me like this. Are you ready? For what? <laughs> okay. We're going to move it on along to the... Queer walk. Queer walk. Queer walk. Of the week. We had it, Montanique. What is wrong with you? No, we didn't. We had it. No, we didn't. Anyway. So you're going to do the queer walk of the week. Oh, you, but first, you can the I first give an one, then I'm going to do the other one. Yeah. Okay. Um, so before we jump into this segment, oh, and uh, the Queer Walk of the Week segment is just a segment where we highlight some queer woman of color or person of color who is doing some dope shit, um, who has created or um, innovated something that we think y'all should know about. 
Um, and this is where we celebrate them in this segment. Uh, so I wanted to start off this episode with an ashe to uh, trans activist and all around justice worker Lorena Borjas. Um, huge ashe to Lorena. Ashe. She was such a pillar of like New York City's um, organizing scene, like especially in Queens around like undocument undocumented um, folks, undocu queer uh, organizing. Um, LGBTQ organizing, sex work activism. I'm, like back in the day, she set up a HIV testing center in her house. And that's, I mean, that just speaks to like how committed she was to the community and to the work, right? Um, and she passed last week. Uh, she was 60 years old from complications due to coronavirus. So it's just such a huge, huge loss uh, for the New York City LGBT community, but for our community at large. And so just Ashe to her and shout out to her Queens family. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, Ashe and Presente to uh, Lorena Borjas. Thank you so much, um, Money. So, I don't know what's going on with you and me in terms of Brazil. Because the last Queer Walk of the Week was from Brazil. Yeah. And side note, mm-hmm. I've been wanting to do this Queer Walk of the Week since, like, February. But we know who it really caused the shots when it comes to the show. Oh, my gosh. So, um, but, you know, I'm, I'm not one to dwell. <laughs> <laughs> You're the dwellingest dweller That ever. sounds like a well, hate okay. crime. And I'm not going to let you talk to talk about me in that fashion. <laughs> anyway. So, oh, dwelling ass. <laughs> so the the queer walk of the week this week is Lineker Barros, um, and I'm sure the people from Brazil, our Portuguese speakers and fans, are going to be like, Nikita, your country ass is not pronouncing this right. Please <laughs> f- f- feel free to sufficiently drag me. Okay, so who is Lineker? Okay, so Lena Kerr is a black trans soul singer from Brazil, and she is the lead singer of a band called Lena Kerr e Os uh, Caramelos, and that was my terrible fucked up way of saying. So it's, it, it translates to Lena Kerr and the Caramels, and it's so cute because in an interview with uh, Remescla, uh, they said they decided on the name caramels because caramels are sweet and creamy. Everybody loves eating them, and it's so pleasurable. And their stickiness is very enjoyable and sensual. So I'm a, I'm hooked right now already. <laughs> that sounds. I'm about to say. I'm like, okay, Lena girl. All right, all right. So, um, Lena girl is from a very white and conservative region um, in Brazil. And um, she also comes from a family of musicians and music lovers. And so she says, um, there was an interview where she was saying that she remembers her mom and her aunt used to dance as like a form of resistance. So they, her mama and her aunt and other people in the family would organize and attend these like black social dances. And, yes. um, and so one of the things that she says about her mom is she says, this is what she says. She says, my mom loved Whitney Houston and Lineker also loves Whitney Houston. And so she goes on to say, mm-hmm. what I liked most about Whitney is that she she was not ashamed to sing out loud. She could be sweating, delivering an enormous amount of 
energy and still nothing yes. could bother her. And y'all know we love, uh, love Lord rest Nippy. her soul, Aunt Nippy. So yes. um, I love that. And so, so Lena Curl left her hometown when she was 18 um, to make music. And so she was also um, raised by her mom. And so a single mom. So um, um, that was like, that's very like, that's, she says that that's really important um, to, to like her and like how she understands and views the world. And so she says being, mm-hmm. Lena Chris says that being a black trans woman on stage is quote, political because we need representations. Society tries to invisibilize mm-hmm. and delegitimize our existence. It's extremely important, not just for me, but for each of us to be occupying yes. all positions, the stages and the countries to continue to resist and exist. And it's like, you know, we talk about community all the time. And I just love the fact that she's like, um, it's not, it's not about, it's not just about me, but it's about, you know, the collective, right. it's about all of us. It's about us. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't remember how I came across Lena Kerr, but I think somebody posted a video of her singing. Oh my, it's, she's like amazingly talented too. Like yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I just love their, um, sound. And so actually the, the sound of what the Lineker e os caramelos do, like the sound that they've coined, is a term called funzy. And so it's an original word that they created. And it's, it's basically a way to describe groovy, funky fusion with lots of swing, you know, ballads, love songs. But it's, it's got like a rhythm to it. So I'm like, oh, that shit is right oh, up that's, my alley. So, that's right up your alley. And so I, I loved it. And so... Um, another thing, you know, she was mentioning like in the quote earlier about being on stage. And so one of the things that she was mentioning is that it was actually really difficult for her to transition in front of an in front of an audience. And that's basically um, what she did. And so she said like the media, um, like how the media treated her, it, you know, it forced her to question like herself. And she was beginning to question things that... Um, you know, that she said that she already knew like about herself, yeah. but again, just like the spotlight was in, in the media just being you know, like ridiculous and terrible. Like that was really hard mm-hmm. for her. But she says, I learned a lot from this experience and I believe it obliged me to become much tougher. I had to do that mm-hmm. in order to delimit my space, to recognize a place which is mine and no one can say anything about it. Um, and I just, I just love that, right? It's like, you feel yeah. like, you know, I mean, so many of us, you know, not to like take away specifically for like from the trans experience, but like marginalized and oppressed people, like all these things, you know, like we, like we have a particular way of like understanding ourselves in the world. But again, the world says something else about who we are yeah. and how we are. And I just love the fact, mm-hmm. um, especially for trans people. Um, but like oppressed and marginalized uh, folks um, more yeah. generally, it's like, you know, it, t- it takes a lot of work to say, hey, I'm allowed to like not just be on like a musical stage, but to be on like the proverbial stage of like society yeah. and the world and life. And I guess just the um, I, I just love her quote so much. But um, I guess one of the last things that I'll mention about Lena Kerr is that. Uh, folks may or may not know, but there's a lot of, um, like, there's a lot of violence against trans people um, in Brazil. And one of the articles I read about Lena Kerr, like, they mentioned that Brazil, unfortunately, has one of the highest murder rates of trans people in the world. And so she says, 
you know, when you see these numbers, it makes you despair. Uh, but it is a privilege, you know, to, to be a singer who has some notoriety. Uh, there's a huge difference between what I experience and what anonymous trans people live through. That's why I always say that we have to stick together no matter what. If we don't do that, we are surely going to be erased by history. And again, I just, again, the fact that she's just so collective and communal. Yes. Um, Mm-hmm. in her thinking and so this though i just love this last quote i think it's a great quote to wrap up and end on so she says the world is getting more violent day by day so if we scream we should scream together oh yeah so i'm gonna post try to make us cry <laughs> i'm gonna post these two articles from um, uh, where uh, Lineker did an interview so it's with uh, Remescla and NPR and she also did um, her and the band did a tiny desk and th- there is you know that's where you do the live singers do live performances yeah, yeah. with NPR so yeah. I-, I-, I thought it was really really good I just loved everything about the sound uh, all the again yeah. just like sonically just all up my alley and I just, I just love the fact uh, that she's been just like so vulnerable and being open like in front of the world and again the fact that she's always always brings it back to the fact that like her liberation and like our liberation more broadly is like tied up you know with one another with one another so go check out send some love to and go support uh Lineker and her band Lineker Eos Caramelos yes please um make sure you put the links to that in a Description. Absolutely. Okay, we're about to go on to your little raggedy segment. No, community contributors. See? You you forgot. Forgot the flow of the show. Okay. Oh. All right. So now we're going to move it on along to... Community community contributors! Yes! Okay. You know, that was funny before the 20s actually hit. And, it and now we feel like we live in. It's like, I, when I was said I was excited for the 20s, I thought we were going to have like the fashion. I didn't think we were going to be going to the early 20th century in terms of pandemics. You know, so. Yeah. War. Because um, remember, they started out. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah this is not, yeah. this is not the 2020 I had envisioned. But I guess here we are. Anyway. Nikita, would you like to tell folks what the community contributor segment is? So, as we said at the top of the show, Money and I are the hosts, but we really could not do this without... We we really could not do this without you all. So, the community contributors is... I think this is like one of... We say every segment is our favorite, but this is really one of our favorite segments. It's because we have a good show. It's because... (laughs) You know what, bitch? You're right. We do got it. We do got a good program going on here. Anyway, we do. the community contributors is a section basically where we amplify, highlight, and celebrate you all. And so this is when, you know, when you all leave reviews, when, um, you know, when you all tweet us or Facebook or send us something, then we love to share it with the rest of the community. So that's basically what the community contributors section is. Yeah. So I'm going to start us off with. First of all, I I think we've shouted her out before, but I just wanted to add a little asterisk um, and shout out Astaire again. So 
Astaire, if you're listening, we love you so much. here at Queer Walk. <laughs> we love yeah, you I, so I'm much. I say something what? out of control and disrespectful. I forgot. That's a married Girl. woman. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, what would Syracuse be without your work and your light? Like, you are just so fucking funny. Like, <laughs> um, and I just want to thank you for not only supporting the podcast, but for supporting, like, my work as a therapist. Um, it's been, you know, a hard transition uh, since going teletherapy. And um, you always encourage, you know, the doulas and the Village Birth Collective to listen to Mental Moments and, like, invited me to speak to the doulas, which was such an, an incredible um experience for me like I I've never been in a space like that with with birth workers and to hear from you all who are like on the front lines of what I do sort of like back in work at um with family therapy it was just amazing and so I just want to thank you and thank you for always supporting Queer Walk we love you so much okay <laughs> uh you want to shout out the new patrons because I want to do the borders of fate all right so shout out to Kyla and Christine for upping their pledge dot 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 in the midst of a motherfucking pandemic. In the midst of a pandemic. Y'all, y'all, y'all are <laughs> y'all are the real ones for that. So Kyla and Christine, we, like truly, like all jokes aside, we really, really, really appreciate it because we know that this is real tough times, you know, for a lot yeah. of folks. Yes. Thank you so much. Yeah. Like truly. All right, so I'm going to move us into the Borders Are Fake shout-outs. What is that? Um, it's it's where I demonstrate how much the um, American public uh, education system has failed me in terms of geography. That's right. And also, <laughs> and also where we highlight the, like, non-urban like city centers what um, she's really trying to because, say is this is the part where we shout out towns we had never heard of. That's really pretty much that's really what this that is. that are in our top twenty uh, listen cities. And you know it's because queerness can become very metro normative. Exactly. Where you know, like everybody thinks to be queer, you got to be in the cities. But you know, as Monica Roberts said, most. Queer people live in non-city centers because most people live in non-city Absolutely. centers. Absolutely. So we just we just like shouting this out, right? So uh, shout out to Grass Lake, Michigan. That something that seems like the town, and I think all of this is like being shaped by the moment that we're living in. But don't that seem like some kind of like apocalypse place? Like what the hell is a Grass Lake? It seems like something that only exists after a big meteor has hit. And maybe I shouldn't even say that, given how the times are going. You shouldn't. You shouldn't. But what is... Because um, Grass Lake might be our only hope. Actually, yeah, that's... Um, yeah, that's... We're going to have to do some kind of big shelter in place in Grass Lake. So, maybe... Keep keep yeah. holding it down is what I'm trying to say. There's land. There's water. It's just something need? about this Grass don't make Lake? sense. Seems like something Octavia okay. Butler would have written about. Anyway, what's the next one? Well, they were like uh, in our top three. So shout out to Grass Lake. Uh, the next city we're going to shout out is Maryville, Tennessee, who um, has consistently been in our top. But I don't think we've like shouted them out before. So thank you, Maryville. Thank you, Maryville. That was not shade. 
We just, I just don't know why I didn't put you. So shout out to Maryville. Um, and last but not least, San Rafael, California, which is on the West Coast. Raphael. All right, thank y'all, San Rafael, for coming through. Yeah, that's that's on the West Coast. Why do you keep saying that? You like you're very proud that you knew that. That's not that's not a hard one. California's on the West Coast, money. (laughs) You don't get any points for that, okay? You seem so pleased with yourself. Which is on the westernmost coast of the United States. And okay. those are the states that are, are united. United. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh, you got a jingle? I guess so. You got a jingle? Oh, okay. Let me tuck in. All right. So, we're going to move it on along to... My favorite segment. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We have to start calling this now. The Mental Moment with Dr. Money. <laughs> I forgot this is your first episode since I got my since PhD. You got your PhD. So, right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hopefully, you know, I, I haven't sang in a while. So hopefully, you know, well, it's, it's going to be what it's going to be. All right. Just go ahead. It's time for the moment. Money's talking therapy with you. You. Dr. Money. She's finna bless the mic. Wisdom list tips and tricks for you. You. She's talked about boundaries, how to make it through quarantine. She's discussed the languages of love, including self. Love, always keeping our spirits up and our stress levels down. She's talking therapy, baby, and about to drop the mic. You know that one, don't you? Regina, you gotta make me cry. You know how much I love Pretty Ricky. Ricky, 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 Ricky. You know, I've told you before what Pretty Ricky means to me and how I used to put on blue stars in my room in high school and just dance around like I got you. I was the fifth member. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Because, you you know, I wanted to go to the Millennium Tour, but nobody would go with me. So you you said that to us too many times, actually. I'm glad that didn't happen. It didn't need to happen. Anyway. Oh, that was amazing. Thank you, Nikita. (laughs) Back at it. All right. So you really are. You came back swinging. Okay, I see you. All right. Nothing but hits. All right. So this mental moment is called... Glim Glimmer, who got the keys to my simmer? <laughs> wow. Let's let's leave that to me, okay? <laughs> and it's this mental moment is all about how to identify and live into our glimmer space. Okay? <laughs> I'll explain. But I just couldn't resist because I I just wrote glimmer so many times. I just kept saying glim glimmer. Okay. So why did I want to talk about glimmers? Because Right now, while we're all in our houses, um, staying home, going to the grocery store, staying home, going to the grocery store. Going to um, the living room, then going to the grocery store. 
Girl, I traveled all the way to my back room the other day. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, a journey. Your coat. <laughs> <laughs> um so so the reason why I wanted to talk about glimmers is so that we could talk about like spaces that feel hopeful and happy. Mm-hmm. Um and so what is a glimmer? All right. So Triggers, we all know, right? Trigger has become part of our, like, everyday vocabulary because trauma has become more of, like, a social norm to talk about. But the other side of that uh, theory that was um, started by, like, this dude, Stephen Porges, is, like, the polyvagal theory. I won't get into it. But <laughs> basic, obviously what got popularized from that theory was triggers, Um, but the other part of his theory hasn't gotten nearly enough like shine. And the other part of that theory is glimmers. Glimmers are essentially the opposite of triggers. Um, so if a trigger brings us into our like survival fight, flight or freeze state, um, and cues us into danger, glimmers brings us back into our window of tolerance, which is the space where we feel safe. And cues us into safety, such as like feeling warm, um, feeling soft things, being surrounded by soft lights instead of like glaring bright lights, low places like close to the ground as opposed to like elevation, and even animals with eyes on the front of their head instead of eyes on the side of our uh, side of their heads. These are all like unconscious, like subtle cues that cue us into safety. Um, and these, th- you know, it's a whole theory about this evolution, brain science. We ain't got time for that, but y'all get it, right? Much <laughs> it's to like your the- chagrin because we know how you love to talk about neuroscience too. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna sneak it in, but like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what's so funny is like I nearly failed that class when I took it, right? But it's like you would never I- know from. I mean, you could yeah. be be like, oh, what are we gonna have for dinner? And money would be like. Funny thing, actually, the way our <laughs> cravings for dinner are, you just be like, okay, Montanate. I mean, you know, that's how you know that, like, um, academia is, like, made up, right? Because, like, I obviously understand this stuff, but the way you test me and expect me to show that understanding. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so I won't go into, like, why all those things register to us as safety, but you kind of know what I mean, right? Like, think about the animals where, uh eyes on the side of their head why why that like a crocodile right like oh, why yeah. I, was, that, I was thinking a lot of reptiles lizards yeah like why that registers to us as danger versus um animals with eyes in the front of their head like sharks cats or dogs yeah um sharks <laughs> i'm just thinking on the side of their head you, you really sharks have, yeah okay um i know because i does this okay okay Dr. anyway I'm going to get into some brief neuroscience to understand how glimmers work. Brief. Okay. So we have um, three parts to our nervous system. Um, and But the two I'm going to talk about today is the sympathetic and the parasympathetic, right? So the sympathetic nervous system is our fight or flight response. It's like our call to action. So like... Think about the word sympathy, right? It's like when you show up because something else happened to someone, right? So that's our sympathetic nervous system. It's like something popped off, I'm showing up. It calls us to fight back or to run away, depending on what it feels like is going to like give us more successful outcomes or like um, restore safety. 
Um, or what has worked in the past, right? So if running away has worked in the past, then my sympathetic nervous system is going to tell me to run. But if I could throw them hands and fighting has worked for me in the past, then our sympathetic nervous system is more apt to trick, to like, um, have us respond in a, in fight a way, way that will compel you to throw bows. Exactly. Gotcha. Um, so this fight or flight response is also known as like hyper arousal. Not the not the exciting kind of hyper arousal. Um, what what this hy- <laughs> what this hyper arousal means is that our body has more stress hormones um, than calm down hormones rushing through it at that moment. So this increases our heart rate. It um it slows down our appetite. So like we ready to fight or run whatever we got to do. You know, so uh, that's our sympathetic nervous system. And then we have our parasympathetic nervous system, or as I, what helps me remember this is parasympathetic is the rest and digest us system. Mm. <laughs> so it's what like uh, calms us down. It helps us breathe deeply, helps us digest our food. Um, and so you see the difference, right? So sympathetic action, parasympathetic, relax. Um so there's two parts to the parasympathetic, the dorsal vagal and the ventral vagal. I promise this will make sense, right? I was about to say, where so, are we going with this? <laughs> so dorsal vagal, think, think when you hear dorsal, think dull. So dorsal vagal is our dulling response. It's our freeze response. This is also called hypoarousal, the opposite of hyper. Um, this means like un, an inability to feel like you numb out basically so what does this look like this looks like our freeze response like if i just stay so still maybe nobody will even register that i'm here and forget i'm in the room and i'll just be okay you know <laughs> like you ever seen those like uh fainting goats where it's just like oh my god yeah yeah <laughs> like something's happening oh shit i'm frozen you know that's the that's the dorsal um, so remember dorsal dull, right? The dorsal vagal system, um, keeps us from responding. It freezes us. So where do glimmers come in? Glimmers are the ventral vagal system, double V's, ventral vagal. Uh, it's where we go when we feel safe, connected, calm. Um, that's where glimmers take us. It's the feeling of being like understood, soothed, seen, validated. It feels cozy and safe, right? That's when we know that we're in our ventral vagal system. So um, if if none of that makes sense, all, all you need to know is that sympathetic is hyper arousal. Uh, the dorsal vagal is under arousal and ventral vagal is safety, right? Mm. So, so when we talk about triggers and glimmers, obviously uh, uh, dorsal vagal and sympathetic are triggers, right? So that's when you don't feel safe. So either you're under responding or over responding in order to try to respond to feeling unsafe. But the ventral vagal is what you do when you feel safe. So I just want to say real quick, the goal is not to live in your ventral vagal um, part of your brain, right? Like that's not the goal because that's also not emotional or physically safe 
to be like in your glimmers all the time because you need to be able to register when you in danger, girl. Like, like you have <laughs> you to. You in danger, girl. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> the goal is to be able to float between and access all parts of this when necessary, right? Mm. So if you only living in over aroused or under aroused and can't access your glimmers, that's that's a problem. You're stuck, right? If you're only living in your glimmers, that's a problem because you can't tell a you stick can't from a snake. Dan- right? Danger, exactly. Yeah. So you know the goal is always flow, being able to float through all three, right? All right. So in short, how we understand glimmers is a glimmer is any experience, person, place, or resource that creates the possibility of safe connection with yourself, with others, or with the environment. It's literally the opposite of a trigger. So, shout out to Glimmers. Um, (laughs) All right, and so uh, I have been so excited to rediscover a lot of Glimmers that I forgot in just, like, living day-to-day life. Like, now that I've had time, I'm working from home to slow down, Like, I've remembered a lot of glimmers that I totally forgot. Like, I've been crocheting again, and holy shit. Like, I used to crochet as a kid. Tell these people what in the hell you're crocheting. Um, I'm not sure uh, that the listeners want to are interested in that. I'm crocheting. A bralette. So... (laughs) I can't find one that I like, so I'm making my own. I feel so offended that she thinks that she can make her own, crochet her own bralette. Something about that feels like so offensive to me on so many different multiple levels. I can't crochet. I certainly couldn't crochet a bralette. Oh my God, and it's a rainbow bralette. Where does she get off thinking she can do this stuff? Nikita, it seems like you're living in your no, uh, sympathetic no, nervous not, system uh-uh, right uh-uh, now. Uh-uh, uh-uh. And I need you to come back to your ventral vagal space. Yeah, I don't okay. I don't feel safe knowing that my bestie. <laughs> anyway, so um I created some like guiding questions for you to be able to identify your glimmers. Um and as we should all be able to identify our glimmers just as easily as people can identify their triggers. Nikita. <laughs> um it, it seems like me being able to crochet is a trigger for you. It's not, nope. So you're not doing blankets and pot holders. You're doing bromets. <laughs> it's just like baddie. You just like leveled up to like on a scale of one to ten in terms of baddie, baddie dumb. You were already at like a nine point five, but when you bust out with this rainbow crocheted, crocheted bralette, it's gonna be over for everybody else. Nobody else has a chance. Let's hope. Okay, so so how to identify your glimmers. So here's some questions to ask yourself to be able to identify your glimmers. What people, places, feelings, smells, sensations um, glimmer you back into a feeling of safety and connectedness? What brings up happy memories for you? Is there a smell, a book? Or an activity that instantly reminds you of good days? What are your safety survival responses? And what I mean by this is when you have completely had it. Like you just completely at the fuck it stage. 
What do you do? Where do you go? Or who do you run to that feels like a safety survival response? What glimmers are most effective when you're in uh, a survival mode? So when you're in fight, flight, or freeze, what is most effective in returning you to, okay, I'm all right, where you can rationally think and feel? Which glimmers bring you back to center from flight, fight, or freeze? What do different states feel like in your body? Do you know what it feels like to be in fight mode? Like, is your heart racing? Does your neck get hot? Um, How do you know that you're in a glimmer space? What does your body feel like when you're in a glimmer? Um, I always feel glimmers like in my stomach, like it's like a warm feeling Mm -hmm. or I'll notice that my shoulders are low, you know, not up by my ears Um, and in my cheeks because I'm a smiler when I'm glimmering. Like I I smile a lot. Yeah. So that's where I feel it in my body. What about you? What does a glimmer feel like? Like, is it a burning sensation? Is it warm for you? Is it a cooling sensation across uh, the back? Like, I've heard people describe, like, a cooling or a calming down in that way. Um, Yeah. So I hope these questions, and I'll put all these questions in the description to this episode, too. But I hope these questions start to get you to clue into what things feel like glimmers for you. And I want you to share your glimmers with us because maybe your glimmers might work for other people too. Absolutely. And this is a time, like you said, where we all need to be in touch with our glimmers. Absolutely. (laughs) Your glim glimmer. (laughs) Okay. I'm going to let you have that, Dr. Money. So I hope that was helpful. That's it. I just wanted y'all to know about glimmers. I'm going to do this as homework. I was trying to think of stuff. My own glimmers as you were going through this. This is such a good exercise. Thank you. You're welcome. You know. And yeah, share your glimmers with us at Queer Walk Pod or use the hashtag Queer Walk. Ready? I'm ready. Ding, 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 ding. And now our lecture with our lesbian luminary laborer, Nikita. Ding. Ding, ding. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All right. So, like I said, capitalism has deemed me an essential worker. So, just it is like in the full spirit of transparency with y'all, I am working 12 hour days every day for like the yeah. next six weeks. And on top of that, I have like basically what's a, it ends up being like a three hour commute. So a bitch be tired. So I really do try to put a lot of work um, into the word. It takes me a lot of time to compile articles, sift through them, read them, try to make sense of them. And then you do lit reviews, present what they've actually, I, it's, it's a touch more than that. I I try to insert my own kind of analysis. You're right. You, you're right. Um, so I was trying to think like, I just don't like, I just can't, I don't have the capacity of the time or the energy to do that. So I was like, what can I do that still kind of like matches what my actual capacity is with the spirit of the word. Right. Hmm. So I decided that I'm going to do a thing. And it's, it's so, so until this job ends, which is like the next six weeks, I'm going to do this. The word segment is going to be replaced by Nikita's nook. 
And so what is Nikita's note? It's like a little reading note, right? Not not anything nasty. Although, if enough of this... Actually, let me stop. Anyway, so what I'm going to do for the nook, uh, for Nikita's nook is... I'm just, I'm not going to get like into the nitty gritty or do like a full synopsis or some kind of an analysis of a text, but I just kind of want to talk about like for each week or each, you know, every other week, I want to just talk about uh, either a long form article or a book and that has been like really important. It's had important to me. It's had like a big impact on how I understand the world, how I understand myself um, in the world. And like the reality is a lot of this stuff is undergirding how I approach the topics in the word anyway. So it's just, so again, that's, that's, that's what I want to, um, that's what I'm going to do. And, you know, until I'm off this job. So the first text (laughs) that I wanted to, um, just like kind of talk about is, um, it's Patricia Hill Collins, black feminist star. No, so, so, there's two books. I, I'm going to talk about this one another time. It's, when people ask me, what are the two books in the c- past couple of years? What are the two books that have mm. like changed my life? It's yeah. this one and another one by this old socialist who's no longer with us. But I'm, I'm not going to talk about that one. Okay. Not yet. So I just want to talk about um, like black feminist thought and how I came mm. to um, know it. But I just want to read this. So... In the prep, I so my friend who was a sociology major had to read this book, and she was like, she was a white girl. She was like, she had to read it for her class, and it was at a time where I was like, I was a part of like a feminist organization in undergrad, um, which is um, kind of strange because I was like, a lot of these ideas make sense to me, but. It was like a handful of other black women in the group. It was like a lot of white women in the group. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, there's just a lot of stuff where I'm like, you know, in, in theory, a lot of these ideas make sense to me. But I'm like, culturally, I'm just like, yeah. we, just, we just doing things different, right? Different, so I was like, yeah. I was in this group and I was like, you know, and it's feminism, like, like the way I'm trying to, the way I'm understanding it starting to make sense to me, but I'm not ready, like... It wasn't foundational to like who I was, and it it wasn't like an explicit political identity for me at mm-hmm. that point. Mm-hmm. So my friend was like, "You'd be talking about all this stuff." She was like, "I think there's this book that you might like." So she's, like, "I had to read it for class. I think you might get something out of it." And <laughs> it was like something. <laughs> it was like a it was like a Friday. It was like a Friday afternoon, and I just sat on my couch, and I just. I just read Patricia Hill Collins' preface and I was like, like, I think I was like almost on the verge of tears because I was like, the way I always talk about how I came to um, black feminism is that the way I felt when I first encountered it was it was like this big, huge relief. That I was like, it's not just all this shit that I've been experiencing in my life that I don't have a, that I never, I thought it was only me that was experiencing it. Yeah. You know, it's like, I actually, like, I thought that there was something wrong with me. I thought that, like, I was, um, like, it's like, I thought that, like, I thought that, like, for, I mean, I know that this is, the way that I understood it, like, when I was a teenager, like, the way I felt about me, I was like, I was like, I feel like I'm crazy because I'm like, I'm experiencing all these things that make me feel 
I mean, basically, I was experiencing oppression, right? But there was yeah. nobody. There, I didn't have that language, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I sat down, and I just the preface of this book it just shook me. So she starts out in the preface by talking about how when she was five years old, she was in this play, and she was spring, like 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 the season. Yeah. And so she said she was in this play, and she was five years old, and there's everybody, you know, it was her and all her classmates, they, you know, mostly black, and they were. Um, daughters and sons of laborers, domestic workers, secretaries, factory workers. And so she was just talking about how she felt loved, right? And so mm-hmm. she looked out into the crowd, and it's like all basically all these other black people who were just loving on her. And so she just says that she felt she just felt so loved. But she's like, as I got older, um, she's like, as my world expanded, I learned that everybody didn't agree with these people. Like everybody didn't love me and care about me, right? And so she's like talking about how she was like the first quote unquote, or the few or one of the only like black people or women or uh, working class people in schools, communities and work settings. Right. And so I just, and so she says like, basically as her world expanded, she started to encounter basically a world that didn't appreciate and love her the way way that her community um, loved her. So she says this, she says, as I felt smaller and smaller, I became quieter and eventually I was virtually silenced. So she goes on to say, this book reflects one stage in my ongoing struggle to regain my voice. Over the years, I have tried to replace the external definitions of my life forwarded by dominant groups with my own self-defined standpoint. But while my personal odyssey forms the catalyst for the volume, I now know that my experiences are far from unique. Like African-American women, many others who occupy societally denigrated categories have been similarly silenced. Mm -hmm. So the voice that I now seek is both individual and collective, personal and political, one reflecting the intersection of my unique biography with the larger meaning of my historical times. And I remember when I read that, like it just perfectly captured like my, Mm -hmm. my own experience in the way that I started yeah. to understand myself, right? Mm-hmm. And so I feel like this is one of the key, this is one of the texts that, for me, and it, like, I was in school, like, I was an undergrad at the time. I, I think, like, I think it's important to say that. Well, I'm gonna get to that in a second. But th- this was one of those texts where I was like, because, you know, I was like, I'm saying, I was on the fence about feminism. Yeah. I was like, because I was like, there's a lot of these things that these white girls, that, you know, white women are doing and talking about that don't really yeah. jab mm-hmm. with what I'm doing, but I understand these broader points about the fact that, you know, the society is unequal and there's like a gendered dynamic to to that, you know, to, to why that's the case. But it's like black feminism. And this is the text that I think made me first. Like, I'm like, okay, I am a black feminist. And black black feminism is the way in which I, I like, it's a worldview yes. in which I understand, engage, and navigate and move through the world. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, But what I was going to say was that and it was especially, so it's like, I just want to kind of talk about just a few of the things in the book that I thought were really, that have just, um, just like, that, that, that I thought were like, that really like, that were like really sharp and profound. So I think I just have the first edition, but I think there's like, there's, I know there's definitely a second edition and there yeah. might be even another edition. Yeah. But in one of them... Like, the thing that I thought was really sharp and profound about what Patricia Hill Collins was doing in the work is that, like, she she 
because you know she's an academic and you know she's not solely but i think writing to an academic crowd but i think that's like the main um you know that that's who that's a big part of who she's writing to one of the things that i thought was so sharp and profound about what she was doing in the book is that like she i mean i know that the history like we're starting to learn more about the history about like the sojourner truth and the ain't i a woman speech and how that might not have been like totally um true but one of the things that patricia hill collins does is that like she just totally redefines who is an intellectual. Yes, yeah. And I, yeah. I just thought that that was so sharp. And it's like, you know, we all, especially like when you first generation and these, you're like, I don't like, I remember there's, I, side note, I remember I had to read Foucault, this oh. French, this gay French philosopher for a class. And I had to, it, it was like my junior, senior year of undergrad. Mm. And I didn't understand it, and I had to go see my teacher, my professor during office hours. And I was like, I don't understand what this folk call guy is saying. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I didn't know how to pronounce his name. I didn't exactly, know it was exactly, exactly. But it was just like, but it's like all that stuff that makes you feel like you don't have a place, right? Not right. even just, not even have a place in the academy, but I think more importantly, you don't think of yourself as a, a knowledge producer yes, or someone exactly. who knows anything, right? So, yeah. but what Patricia Hill Collins is, it says like. Black feminist thought is in and of itself a, a political and intellectual yeah. and an epistemological tradition. Yes. And this is who she's like starting it with. Right. right? Some like an, an enslaved black woman. Black, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, and I, like some of this stuff seems like kind of like a no brainer now, but think about when she's writing this. When she was writing and, like, it. The, the nine Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And so there's a lot of stuff that I think that we take for granted that I thought, um, but I thought I just thought that that was really, really, really sharp, and I've I've always appreciated that. And it's like one of the things where I remember reading it. I feel like my mind, like exploded. Yeah. And so it's funny because like it's not a coincidence that I'm not gonna say the other book right now, but the two book the two books that are the most profound have had the most profound impact on me are the two political and intellectual traditions that I that are the most important to me, which is like Black feminism and um, Marxism. Mm-hmm. And so I say that to say that one of the things I feel like one of the things that people often the sections from this book that people often talk about is her section on controlling images, right? I guess like a, a sort of like like a very clear basic sort of description of what um, a controlling image is is basic. It's like more. It's like a step beyond a, a stereotype. Right. right. She was like, these, like the idea behind the term is that these images control and shape how black how, women are treated yeah. and viewed in the society. Exactly. And like what we can see ourselves as being. Absolutely. Like it like caps that. Yeah. Absolutely. So something that I thought was interesting that I don't feel like people pay enough attention to. In that section is that, so she's talking about like the idea of, so a lot of these terms, I feel like people kind of like talk about now that I think are popular. Um, I, I think, I mean, I don't think Patricia Hill Collins is like the only person, but I think to talk about and name these specific terms, but I think, um, I think a lot of us came to understand these uh, controlling images th- through um, her work. And so she has the, you know, the controlling image of, you know, the mammy, 
right? So it's like, you know, we understand that that's like, mm-hmm. the, like the fact that the black woman is always going to be like caretaking, Caretaker, specifically yeah. t- taking care of, you know, Children, the families, families, yeah, of specifically like, you know, the like rich white folks. And then, so she has this, then another controlling image is the one about the matriarch. So it was like, the idea is that like black, and, and that's never said with any kind of like, in terms of the controlling image, the idea of the matriarch is not about like, oh, like black women have like an esteemed role in their family. It's like, oh, black women, you know, are so like, it just, it's, it goes back into this idea that like, of like female headed households, you know, like being like to- fundamentally fucked up or deficient or something like that. Right. And then of course there's a controlling image of the, the Jezebel. So like the, mm-hmm. like a lascivious, just totally like sexually like wanton, um, black woman. And then the idea of like the Sapphire, which comes from one of those, um, terrible movie, Andy and Amos. So basically like the Sapphire is this brash, you know, sort of emasculating, just, I, I feel like for all, what, what, what basically what bougie blacks would refer to as ghetto, right? Mm-hmm. So, but the thing, I have, so this is where, um, the reason why I bring up Marxism is because the thing that's so interesting to me is that everybody always talks about, you know, these ideas of the controlling images, but something that I think is so sharp. It's, and I, I went and just skimmed through um, like the, the preface and the introduction of her work is that one of the things that Patricia Hill Collins says in the intro is that she's like, there's a lot of different things that like animate and guide my thinking. And so, she, and she says Afrocentrism is one, which I think is like interesting. And I think that's also um, side note, like a product of the time where I think, yeah. I think that like, you know, kind of like, you know, we often talk about these things as, you know, we talk about hoteps and all that stuff. And, but I think that Patricia Hill Collins was actually trying to engage black folks who were engaging, who were trying to understand their own identity and their own selves yeah. through the lens of Afrocentrism. So she tries mm-hmm. to take that seriously, but also um, that's like a kind of a side note and a tangent. But what I think is interesting is that she explicitly says that like Marxism is one of like the political theories that guides her, um, like her analysis and her thinking. Mm-hmm. And um, to bring it all back to the idea of the controlling image, the, one of the things I feel like if you listen to the show that I always talking about, that I always talk about is materialism, right? In, in a philosophical sense, not like consumerism. And so materialism is is basically means is that like the way that the the world is structured then shapes our ideas about each other and how we live in the world. And so Patricia Hill Collins doesn't just say that, Oh, these controlling, these controlling images, um, like came out of nowhere. Right. Um, she, she roots them. This is where I feel like it's so clear to me. I feel like I've, when I came back to the book, as I was starting to read and understand it, Marxism, she locates it specifically within political, the political economy of the country. Yes, and yeah. again, whenever I talk about political economy, I'm it's talking about how like goods, services and things, how like the economy. So it's like how the, our society is organized and all the laws that make it so um, that, that, all the laws that guide how goods and services and things are distributed in the economy, right? Mm-hmm. So that's what it means, political economy. So uh, the most, the basic example I usually give, so when you talk about, 
the economy of slavery. So you have like a slave, a, a, a white slave owning class and like enslaved black people. So that's like the economic part. And then the political part is like the fact you have to have all these laws that then justify right. the way that society that is organized under slavery. Yeah. Right. So I say all that to say that P- Patricia Hill Collins is doing political economy in this text. So when she talks about <laughs> um, like the idea of like, you know, black women being like sexually like, you know, lascivious and all that kind right, of stuff. Right. She's like, she says that was a justification for, for you yeah. know, what we know is like the, the sexual, the sexual exploitation yeah. and mm-hmm. the abuse of black women to maintain a particular kind a of mode yeah. of production, a particular yeah. political economy. Yeah. Right. And when she talks about, you know, the, like the, the mammy just to, I'm not going to get into the other um, ones, but just for these as example, as an example, she's talking about like the, the social, political, and economic regime of Jim Crow. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so why, why does this matter? Why am I talking about this? I think the reason why I care about this is something I feel like I've talked about almost ad nauseum on the show is that something that I think happens on the left and that has happened a lot is that there's this, there are all these debates between like quote unquote identity politics versus like socialism and Marxism. But I feel like, again, when we talk about like the Combahee River Collective, or even when you look at this text from Patricia Hill Collins, you see that um, like black feminists, like black women have actually tried to take Marxism Right, and yes. socialism and like yes. political economy and materialism yes. seriously. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was um, that was something that, because I go to this text a lot. And I remember yeah. when I came back to this text after, like, I was like, okay, I think I might be not just like a, a black feminist, but it's like, I think I might actually be like a black Marxist feminist. And I was trying to, and again, always trying to see yourself in a tradition. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what, it's just like it's not to say that like Patricia Hill Collins is is a Marxist, but again, that was just a very clear, concrete way where I'm like, and she even says it explicitly that like, this is a this is a political tradition that's guiding and animating not just my thinking, but specifically how I'm thinking about Black women. Do you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Because again, I think that there's often this one of the things I feel like I talk about a lot, and I've tried to like struggle and think about a lot is this idea that socialism and Marxism is basically just like oh. Like it's just like working, it's just like factory uh-huh. white guys, right? Yep. Yeah. And it's like, uh-huh. or you think about it as a political tradition coming from, um, like an old white man from the 19th century. It's like, what the yeah. fuck does this have to do with me? And Patricia Hill Collins is like, you have this 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 way of yeah. thinking, right? Yeah. Like if you understand the broader, you know, society, the broader like political economy, like of of this country. Right. Then then it shows like if you understand um, like this is a way that we can understand society more broadly, but specifically to how it affects us as black women, black women. Yeah. Yeah. So I just feel like it's I feel like not just black women um, should be reading this, but I'm like, there's so many like I think about so many annoying white people on the left, you know, who are always saying like, you know, who basically think that, I mean, they, they I think they almost say it like implicitly, if not sometimes explicitly, where it's like all these quote unquote identitarian concerns move us away from the broader project of um, 
socialism. And it's like, and then, you know, I think about my, you think about this, you put your organizer hat on and it's like one of the things, and I know Charlene talked about it when we had her on Charlene Carruthers and she talks about it in her book. Like one of the things she opens up with is like, as an organizer, you're always trying to think about your self-interest, right? And not in like some kind of selfish way, but it's like, what is the thing, like, how is my world, how is my family, how is my community, how, how can I, like, what is the thing that we're fighting for? How is that going to materially, like, right. be beneficial exactly. to me? Exactly. Do you know what I'm saying? And so yeah. I think we have to also have to think about political j- traditions in the same way. Because it's like, if it's like, if I don't think that Marxism has anything or socialism has anything to offer me, offer, then right. I'm going to be like, why am I'm I going to waste my up. time? Yeah. Right? But... Again, if like, oh, well, you know, the society is structured in a particular, you know, kind of way. Um, Actually, I'm I'm not going to say that. But if it's like, so uh, scratch that. But if it's like, oh, well, if like if the materialist method of analysis or if Marxism can help me specifically understand, you know, why why I'm viewed um, in these ways, then it's like, what else what else can I learn from this? um, Yep from this kind of analysis and this kind mm-hmm. of theory. Mm-hmm. Um, and on that tip in the second edition, I don't have that one right in front of me, but I remember one of the things that she talks about is like she comes up with this phrase called like the matrix of domination. And so yes. one of, I'm not going to get too deep into that, but basically that's her way of trying to grapple with how racism, uh, sexism and to a lesser degree homophobia she's tried yeah. i think she tries to get better on that there's obviously other people who are i think sharper on that yeah. um, than her but like also Classism. like what she calls class oppression she's trying to yeah. make sense of how all these things like like work together, together. in terms of the yeah. matrix of domination but i'm like and so i think she uses the language so she would use the language of matrix of domination but i'm like for me i'm like oh but she's thinking the way that I understand it, it's like this is Patricia Hill Collins basically trying to grapple with like I think like the to- the total the totality of capitalism. So how is capitalism like raced and gendered and mm-hmm. you know sexualized and all that kind of thing? Mm-hmm. And so again, I say all that to say it's like I don't have time to get into the the ins and outs of the matrix of domination, but it's like again, I'm trying to think about these parallels. Um, in the way that people from different political traditions might be talking about similar things. Yeah. And that's, so the last, I think the last thing that I want to um, end on is that I think something that we can learn from this text, something that I really appreciate that she does. Um, and another kind of point along with the other things that I've been saying is that I feel like not enough of us, I feel like I'm always talking about this, engage with other people's, political ideologies and traditions like in good faith. I feel like Patricia Hill Collins like in this text is like actually trying to deal with like the idea like she's trying to deal with ideas that like that I other think people some might of, have a point. Yeah, and so yeah. she's like and I feel like the best way to take something to take another idea Seriously, is you say, what is the best of what this political tradition has to, has offer, to offer, and how can I right. incorporate incorporate it right into my understanding of the world? And I think she does that like um, really well because like when I opened that book up, and I was like, did she really talk about? Um, I was like, I was like, why is she trying to grapple with Afrocentrism? And it's like, oh, because like 
it's also about meeting people where they are. If it's like you have a whole bunch of black people trying to grapple with this in the 90s, for better or for, wor for worse, she's like, how can I bring a gender analysis to the people who are trying to make sense of identity, culture, and but also yeah. like oppression? You know what I'm it's saying? It's like so. the people who are already talking about um, racism and like how it impacts black folks, how can I also add like a gender analysis to that? Exactly, exactly. So... Anyway, that's just just one of the that's so that's the this is the inaugural segment of uh, Nikita's Nook, and I just that's just this is just one of the books that's just been uh, has such a profound impact on me, and I just want to talk about that for a little bit. Okay. Nikita, I always love seeing you in your like Marxist black feminist bag. Like I just feel like you glow. I'm in my bag, bitch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You just like glow, and it's obvious to me that like other people can see how like politically brilliant you are, and I just fucking love you. And yes, um, I was really uh, late to Black Feminist Thought. Um, I think I said it before, you know, I was like on the short readings. I was like, <laughs> you know, read that Cheryl Clark essay from Bridge and like some poetry and Convahee River collective statement before I got into Collins who snatched my edges. But yeah, that's such an amazing, an amazing, amazing book. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Nikita. <laughs> All right, so we're going to move it on along to... Can we do, like, a combined topic slash Curve Chronicle? Yes. yes okay. Because I feel like this fits into both, you know? Right. Um, so the topic segment is where we talk about something that doesn't really fit into our other segments. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the Curve Chronicle segment is where we discuss our dating woes and wins. Um and or your dating woes and wins that you submit to QueerWalkPod at gmail.com. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, Nikita, what, what's our topic curve today? Okay, so we're going to talk about dating profiles. Okay, so this way we're going to combine them. Don't ruin it yet. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so here's some big news. I, I'm single. So, um, yeah, I... The, the Bay and I are no longer together romantically, mm -hmm. but, you know, we're still cool platonically, so. Still comrades um, in the struggle. Exactly. So we're still, um, we're still cool. But, sorry, did you hear that? I just feel like a whole bunch of people probably went wild. Now that they I don't know about that. that. Uncle Nick is back on the market. Okay, Nikita. Why are, why are you such a killjoy? Is this what I'm it felt like joy. when I stomped your crochet bralette idea? Yes. Because it sucks. It is. Anyway. I'm trying to live in my glimmer and you keep uh, triggering me. But <laughs> uh, that's okay. She doesn't even mean that. So, I. No, have it is bittersweet. But yeah. I have never, ever done any kind of dating app. It's like, y'all know I don't have the personality for that or anything like that. But I was like. How would they know? You know Only I know. I, what do you mean? What? <laughs> How would they know you don't have the personality for it? They can listen to this show and be like, that bitch ain't getting no, she's not even friendly. <laughs> she ain't gonna be in no damn ass. So I'm like, just for shits and giggles, I don't have anything else to do. We're in a pandemic. Well, I mean, I guess I have work to do, but 
whatever. It's like I'm. We're living in the this. This is un. We we are living in unprecedented times. So times, I'm just gonna start yeah. doing unprecedented things, right? <laughs> so, oh my god, I got so on what, the apps. What apps? What apps are you on, Nikita? Okay, so I got on Tinder, and mm-hmm. I got on her. I had a hinge for like two minutes, and then I deleted it. Because I was like, this is too much. It's too much, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm such a, I'm such a particular kind of person. Because it's like, who the fuck do I think I am? I've never been on a dating app before. And, I, and of course, I guess, I guess you would say in true Capricorn fashion, it's like, I've never been on a dating app before. But I have so many opinions. I don't even think I'm on these things for the right reasons. I feel like I have so many opinions about other people's profiles. I have bad news for you all are doing this wrong. So many of you are just, you need, you need interventions because your profiles are an incinerating, not even hot, an incinerating mess. (laughs) Okay. So let's, let's outline the good, the bad, and the ugly about the apps. Okay. Maybe that'll help. Because cause I'm on uh, Lex uh, and her. Those are those are the two that I have right now. You don't so have Tinder? Still... No, I deleted Tinder. Oh, okay. yeah, I always awesome. delete I got... Tinder. I need to delete that, yeah. Uh, Tinder's like a, a game for me. It's like I get on to see what's happening, what level I'm on, and then yeah. I just delete it's it. Like... I don't I don't even know what this is, but I just see everybody tweeting about it, so I want to talk about it. I just want to mention it like I'm cool. Yeah, it's like my own personal Animal Crossing. Did I say that right? Isn't that a thing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but okay. Go off, Nikita. Sure. <laughs> I tried. I, I tried to be like a mal- I don't know, whatever. Anyway. It's, it's more like a um I would say Tinder is more like a TikTok challenge. <laughs> Oh my god, that is so accurate. <laughs> but yeah, so what what makes people's profiles bad? Why do they need an intervention? Oh my god. Okay, so I don't know. You have to fill out a description. Black you women have don't to fill say out something. Black women don't so, fill out the description. And also, just let me let's just say this because somebody's gonna be like, you know, you bitches just sat up there and talked about black feminism. Now you're gonna come for black. <laughs> let's just say in our area, it it mm. seems it seems that black women are not filling out the bio. The bios. They just have pictures. Yeah. And it's like, y'all, like, I can't swipe any. What's the direction? Diagonal? Swipe 180? Uh, whatever swipe the thing right, is. Nikita. Oh, like, Montanique <laughs> had to give me a tutorial. She was getting so annoyed. I could hear her getting so frustrated with me. Because I was like, what do I press? How do I swipe? The heart is so Which easy. way do I do it? My Oh, I think a super light. <laughs> it's literally anyway. a heart. It's a whole heart. I, I couldn't. The... It, it, wasn't, it wasn't actually intuitive for me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, y- y'all have got to put something in the description, something, because it's like no. you ha- like how do- and that- and this might also just be how people connect. Because I'm like, how can you even begin to try to connect with somebody if you don't even know, like, if you don't have a sense of like who they are or Nothing. the things that they like to do? Yeah, yeah. It just-, just be blank. Yeah. So I hate that. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh my god. Speaking of TikTok and. Lip chap, Snapchat, give a dog a bone, whatever the fuck the apps are. I already know what you're you about to say. 
You all have got to stop using these. With the filters. What is it? Those filters. Yes. Yeah. You don't have dog ears. Every picture. I don't get why you're 37 and every picture has dog ears. Thank you. It doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. I don't don't get it. What are you doing? What is you doing, baby? And and you know, I'm really into anthropomorphic porn. I really am into that. Like not this, not this shit. But when I'm on a dating app, like I don't want to be seeing like <laughs> pandas and bunnies and and dogs. Right. I want to be seeing. There's that people. <laughs> um. And here's the thing: it's like y'all know I describe myself as a curmudgeon. I actually put like I'm a a full time curmudgeon in my profile. So. I'm curmudgeonly and cranky just as much as the next person. But another thing, y'all, some people, I'm like, y'all are too bitter when you fill out the profile. <laughs> so when it is filled out, so the first issue is that it's not filled out. It, like, they won't even click the things that you can click, like um, religion, uh, your sign, yeah. all that stuff, height. But when it is filled out, What's what's the what's that one phrase we keep seeing, money? Not here for the games. I'm just like, what does that mean? Not here for the games. <coughs> if you here for the game, swipe left. Keep it moving. I'm just like, what games? What are you all talking about? I don't I don't actually know what people are referring to when they, I think I think I think it's kinda like I don't know, actually. It's like, what are games? What are people talking? And it's so common. I keep seeing it. Profile after profile. I don't know if it's like, because there are a lot of profiles on apps of couples looking for like a third. Oh, my freaking so, God. Side note. They got to have their own apps. I'm so sorry. They do that. have their own app. That's what's so oh irritating about it. Yeah. And just, you know, just to be clear, I don't have a problem with people looking for thirds. Oh, or yeah, whatever. yeah. That's, I mean, that's fine. But I'm just like. Yeah. Just for all, like, if you're a queer woman trying to find, like, another uh, queer woman or a queer person, it's just, it's, like, all that you see that comes yeah. up. I'm just like, oh, my God. Yeah. I'm like, Sarah and Chad, do go to another and app. Exactly. Please. That's the thing. It's always, like, somebody partnered with a cis man, you know? And it's like, oh, yeah. their profile is really cute. Like, because, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been on, like, this journey to be a third in a lesbian relationship for a minute. But it's like, I'm, I have never seen a profile like that. Like, yeah, I'm, exactly. I've never oh, seen... I've never, I did not even think about it like that. You're yeah. so right. It's so always right. a super cute person partnered with a cis man. That's always yeah. the, the yeah. dynamic of those um, things. So I don't know if that's the games. I don't know if people get irritated with, like, matching with someone and then people don't um, message them. But- so I was I was thinking that I think that's what it is. And I, I feel like people, the sense that I get from my short, you know, my short time trying to, you know, wade through this is I feel like people are looking for serious relationships. And if, and if somebody else isn't ready immediately off the first message to jump into a serious monogamous or serious relationship, then they think that that's games. But I'm like, mm-hmm. it's a dating. Like, you it's have to dating. get to know people. Yeah. Like... And sometimes it's not going to work. Sometimes it's not going to, you know, like the conversation is going to be stilted. And mm-hmm. of course, I don't think you should ghost people. But like, I just don't actually, like, I'm just, what games are you all so emphatically <laughs> raging about 
constantly. I want to hear if somebody has a story of games on the apps. Like, please, I want to know. Like, what are the games? As from both a relational therapist perspective and also somebody who's on the apps is like, yeah. what? The only games what? I could imagine are like scam artists. That's that's yeah, like like um, cat but that's fishing, a scam. That's not a game. Scamming, though. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you match so. with somebody and they're like. Oh my gosh! Um, for a limited time, I'm taking this, and you all you have to pay is twenty five dollars. Okay, <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. But that's scams, um, yeah. This them, this, those are not games. Uh, some other yeah. bitter stuff I see. Um, I love when people are like I don't even know why I'm on this app. I'm like, why are you putting that in your profile? I saw a profile, Nikita, that said. On here only looking for friends because you bitches ain't on my level. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that person sounds so inviting. So sweet. This one girl, this one girl had this stuff. She was like, and if you don't like any of this, well, you can just fuck right off. I'm like, oh my God. Like, what is happening with you all? You can fuck right off. I was just like, okay, consider myself fucked and off. Um, I think, I think instead of leading with vulnerability, people lead with like anger. So instead of saying like, um, I'm on here because I truly want like a deep connection with someone. I'm like, um, that's why you know why. That's why you're on here. You're on here for connection. Yeah. 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 Um, Like where we all experience loneliness. Mine is just like acute right now. You know, no, nobody is saying that in bios. They're just like. If you don't message me first, swipe left. Right? I'm just like, why are you? Like, you want, like, nothing about these profiles seem inviting at all. I don't message first. That's just how I am. Right. If I super like you, it's an accident. It's an accident. Although, with my pudgy fingers, I think that that's something I would have to include. Because I'm like, y'all know I'm old. I get get to, oh, my God, this is hilarious line from this episode of Frasier where uh the uh what's his face Marty Frasier's dad Frasier's yelling because Marty always changes the radio station in the car mm-hmm. and he's like you know if Frasier's yelling to his brother about his dad changing the radio station he's like he just gets in here and starts pressing buttons like a lab rat on amphetamines and that's how I feel like I be pressing buttons on my phone I just so I can understand that like the super like on accident but Otherwise, people, I'm just like, you all seem unhinged. Yeah. Like, bring it. Like, this does not seem like, oh, like, this uh, this seems like a person who's open to meeting other human beings. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. This one girl's thing had me in tears. Two people's. This one girl, she, she had one quick line in there. She was like, I'm only here for communism and to frame somebody for murder. Oh, yeah, I saw that one. <laughs> I laughed so hard. Because I was like, now, oh, she was like some little young 20-something. So I was like, I'm not swiping in whatever the direction is on that. But it just, it made me chuckle. You know, like, I feel like that's going to, she's probably got some, like, I mean, she probably is, like, some left-wing person, but also, like, totally sarcastic. Like, I feel like that, even though it's a ridiculous hook, like, it's going to hook the kind of people that I exactly. feel like she wants, exactly. wants to hook. Which is what you want. Um, 
The other thing, here's another piece of advice. And again, I'm like, who the fuck am I? I've been I've been on this shit for what a week maybe. Yeah. And now yeah, I think I barely. can give whatever total Capricorn, right? I feel like this is. I feel like you have to think about a profile. This sounds really fucked up. It's like you know, because capitalism or whatever. But you have to think of a profile like a resume. You don't. You don't tell me what it is that you do. You, you have to show me. Yeah. Because I feel like a lot of. Like, instead of saying, oh, I'm really funny, I'm like, well, come across as witty yeah. and, like, yeah. funny in your, like, profile, right? Yeah. I'm like, and then apparently, it's a miracle to me that the, I can't believe that anybody is able to go hiking. I'm surprised that the trails aren't constantly flooded because everybody in their mama <laughs> loves Love hiking. Love hiking, going outdoors. I'm, right, and so I'm like, just, and so instead of doing that, just, like, Save the words, save the Talk character about, space, and yeah. just have pictures of you out on the trail. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh my god! Another thing. This is such. This is why I know I'm a raging asshole. One of the things that gets on my nerves. I think it's the same thing that gets on my nerves about sapiosexual. And everybody love having deep conversations. Apparently. Yeah. I was like, love yeah. deep conversations. about. I'm like, what you talking about? About like, what? Tell me. You're... Tell me about the things that you're actually. Yeah. Yeah. You want to have these deep conversations about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, I so. think I think we could teach a class on um, dating app profiles because I think we have really good profiles. Like, yeah. cute oh, pictures. my Montanique, please tell these people what you put in your profile. Because well, we just talked about how we were like, how we're tired of everybody saying, not here for the games. Oh, <laughs> Um, I have to pull it up. Hold on. Let me see. Oh my God. I almost remember it verbatim. This fool says, not sure what everyone else has, not sure what everyone has against games, but I love a spirited battle on the chess, Monopoly, or some other game board. Oh my gosh. Okay. So my, my profile says, just when I thought my dating life couldn't be less active, the Rona confined it to digital contact. I'm an aspiring professor who gets giddy over moon phases, black feminism, and booty rubs. If you're a queer quarantiner who is down for heavy texting and Skype dates, hit me up. Not sure what everyone has against games, but I love a spirit. <laughs> I love a spirited battle on the chess monopoly or clue board. It's like so. You you sh- you're like the thing. I think that's a grade A profile because it's like. It shows that you're obviously funny. You're witty. You throw in there like black feminism, which is signifier to other people who are into feminism. Yeah. Right. And um, also that if you call me a female, it's over. Yeah. <laughs> this is so funny. It's such a um, it's such a cross racial thing. Mm-hmm. As I see mm-hmm. so many uh, different uh, women and people, regardless of race, calling women females. Females. Yeah. I, th- mm-hmm. I thought we had worked through that, but. Anyway, it's like you're witty, you're funny, it you know, it's you you've got that, you know, black feminism in there. I feel like that's important, it, like, you know, obviously. And um you like why you're there, what you're looking for. Like it's yeah. just perfect. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. And also I feel like and that's another I mean, that's another conversation we could get into about signifiers. Cause I feel like there's all these things that we're trying to signal to people you know so Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. this might be my own shit but anytime i see anybody that's like hardcore fitness or workout it's like it is me you're not about to swipe in there whatever direction on my fat ass that's what that's what i take that ass 
fitness is my number one mental health. Go- okay. Yeah. yeah. You know what that means. Yep. It's like, fuck off, fatty. I mean, you might yeah. well, almost be better off just saying that. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm just like, I don't know. I feel like you're trying to like, it's like trying to, you're trying to describe yourself, but also like, again, put out like bat signals to other people. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, I don't know. I just don't feel like people be getting that. And y'all got to figure out some the better lighting on these photos because I'm like, girl, a lot of y'all are real cute, but your your photos are yeah. shit. I dating mean, just, dating apps is where angles go to die. Like, exactly, that's so true. <laughs> you just no, like fuck it, fuck it. No concept of lighting, nothing. I'm and it's people will have their Instagram linked to the to the dating app. But their dating app pictures are so bad. It's like they're they laying in the <laughs> they're laying in the bed holding the phone above their head. I'm like, why are you? Why was this the photo? Yeah, it's it's like you're a 15 or you're like a 12 or 13 year old who was up too late. Who and you don't want your mama to see that you're still up with yeah. your cell phone. <laughs> and so you took a picture under the covers. Yeah, I'm like, but That's, but yeah. the app says that you're 37. Why are you taking yeah. pictures like this? Why are you taking pictures like this? Yeah. yeah. It's nonsense. It's nonsense. (laughs) Anyway. um, Here's to better luck next week on the dating apps, Nikita. (laughs) Because I'm just like, what what are y'all doing? (laughs) Being a mess, apparently. Yeah. All righty. So, um... Catch us on all the things at Queer Walk Pod. Use the hashtag QueerWOC. Um, and um, if you're listening to this when it drops, I'm having a QPOC healing space on Friday, uh, April 10th at noon. So uh, if you would like to be a part of that virtual healing space, uh, email me at mdmceach at g.syr.edu. To register, um, do so by tonight so I could have an official count um, and know what all I need for Friday. But, yeah, that's happening, too. So I was, I'm so glad I was going to remind you to plug that. So I'm glad you did. Yeah, I think I want to try to make them bi-weekly since we all in quarantine, you know. Well, so. some of us. Oh, sorry, essential. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this this has been Money, your uh, quick reminder that essential workers need hazard pay. And this has been Nikita, somebody who capitalism has deemed an essential worker. No, no, the hood deemed you essential and a worker before capitalism did. Touché. You've been our essential worker, wordsmith wizard, okay? You know what, bitch? You right. You right. <laughs> I'm going to put that on my hard hat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. Bye.